All right. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's Labor Day weekend. If you have a copy of the scriptures, if you will turn to Proverbs 22. Proverbs 22. That's where we're going to begin. Begin, And we're going to be looking at several different Proverbs. So you can just kind of keep your uh, spot there in Proverbs. We're going to be skipping around just a hair. There are many phrases in life uh, that we use sometimes on a daily basis that we often misuse. I'll show you what I mean. Let's take this first one for example. First come, first serve. At preteen camp. Kids will run to get in line hours before lunch so that they can be first come, first serve. Now, if you were to use it how it is used on the screen, it would be that if you are the first person to arrive, you are the person who gets to serve everyone else. (laughs) What it should be is first come, first served, right? Meaning that the order in which you arrive is the order in which you will be served. If you showed up early this morning, you got a kolache instead of a donut. I'm just kidding. We didn't have kolaches. Y'all are okay. Some of y'all were getting upset. Wait a minute. Second one, sneak peek. A peak with an A is actually a mountaintop. So to say, what it should say is sneak peek. You'll see that on the screen as well, meaning that it's secret or it's an early look at something. You can actually find this typo on Oxford University website. You can also find it on the National Park Service. I looked for them this morning. So maybe someone should give them a call and give them a heads up that they're misusing the word sneak peek. What about this one, a mute point? We often use this one. If you type it up, if you were to say it, you would say it this way. Making it silent. I wish my children, we're going to talk about children this morning. I wish my children had a mute button like my remote. What you were supposed to say is it's a, what, moot point, right? When you decide something is a moot point, then it's irrelevant or it's up for debate. And so um, Landon loves the next one that we often use differently than we're supposed to. I could care less. You like that one, right? What it should say is I couldn't care less, right? But we often say, I could care less. Uh, If you say, I could care less, it means that you can actually care less than what you just said. So uh, if you think about it, you're supposed to say, I couldn't care less. That means total apathy of the words you're saying. So next one is shoe in. This is how a lot of people would say this. It's a shoe in. Uh, It's not how it's supposed to be used. It's supposed to be shoe in, spelled this way. Um, Meaning that it's a, a, a definite sure winner. And the last one I'm going to share with you this morning, because I only have a small amount of time for my intro, is piqued my interest. You've piqued my interest. Of course, I will give Microsoft Office and I will give Microsoft PowerPoint credit, because it did say when I was making these notes, this is not right. Uh, when I've typed in peaked, my interest is that no, 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 you're misspelling this. Uh, so I will give it uh, the credit that it deserves. But if you say it the, the second way, peaked my interest, then of course it means that your interests have been awakened. Now, Proverbs. As you look at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is a very interesting book. And it's a very interesting book because as you make your way through the book of Proverbs, 
uh, it's really uh, a lot of different sayings. It's a lot of different things. Some thoughts is one right after the other, and they have nothing in common, in common whatsoever. Uh, I think Proverbs, even though many of you probably read through Proverbs often, if you're reading through uh, in a year reading through the Bible, it oftentimes will include a psalm or a proverb. And so they're very difficult to read because they are different thoughts, one right after the other. And today we're going to look at one particular verse that I think a lot of people uh, today take way out of context. And it's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, which says this. I'll give you a second to get there. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of the most common ways that I use this verse is when I talk about my son Isaiah. And I put his OU gear on. And when people say, how is your son an OU? Well, if I train him in the way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And a lot of people use it in this manner. Um, today we're going to look at this verse because I think that, like I said, this verse can be uh, misunderstood to a degree. But two, I think this verse is very important for us as parents because I think it teaches families how to raise children, how to raise children in, in a godly manner, how to raise children to, be, uh, to focus their attention on the Lord. And as parents, I believe that this is one of our highest callings. I think this is one of our highest responsibilities that we can have as a, as a parent. And thank God that he doesn't leave us on our own just to figure it out as we go. So with that said, let's pray this morning and we'll get started. God, I pray that your word would shed wisdom on our hearts as Landon prayed from, as he read from Proverbs 2 about wisdom. Proverbs is filled with wisdom. Father, you want us to have these uh, nuggets of truth so that we can um, live a life that is honoring and pleasing to you. And Father, I, I pray that as we think about our responsibility as parents, as we think about our responsibility as grandparents, uh, Father, you have called us to go and make disciples, and that starts in our home. And Father, I pray that you would help us to take that responsibility seriously. So Father, give us uh, knowledge to hear, the desire to hear your word this morning, and I pray that we would... Uh, Change our lives in such a way that it is honoring and pleasing to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we start with this proverb this morning, the first thing we need to do is we need to figure out what is a proverb. Uh, proverbs, this is in your notes, are principles, not promises. There's a big difference between a proverb and a principle. A proverb and a promise. Um, all sorts of cultures today have proverbs. Uh, there's one called, you know, an apple of day keeps the doctor away. You've all heard that. Uh, I'm just here to tell you 100% that even if you uh, eat an apple every single day, uh, you still may have to go to the doctor at some point in your life. It's not going to keep the doctor. Now, uh, my friend Adam, who is a heart doctor, would tell you it's really good for your heart to eat an apple every single day. But there are some health benefits. It's probably, apples are probably really good on a diet plan. However, an apple a day is not going to keep the doctor away. Another one, practice makes perfect. I am living proof that practice does not make perfect. I've tried to be a good shot at basketball. I'm not. 
uh, even though I've beat Jake like five out of ten times this last week and, and, and cat. But the gospel is a promise. Okay? It's something that's true. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the deity of who he is, and his death and resurrection, uh, if you follow him in obedience, guess what? You're a child of God. It's a promise made uh, in the Bible. If you read, it's a promise that is there. And if you believe those things, it is a promise. You can hold on to those things. A lot of the Proverbs that we read, is not that, they are not that way. Let's read this again. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I've heard a lot of parents quote this verse when they have children who have walked away from the faith. I've taught them the way they should go. Should go and I know because of this verse, someday they will return back to following Jesus. If you know me, you know I have a little bit of a sarcastic bone in my body. Uh, I love to laugh. I love to make others laugh. Um, sadly, sometimes it's at other people's expense. Sadly, most of the time that backfires and it's at my expense. But I love to make people laugh. And when I read this verse, I almost kind of hear this sarcastic tone coming from God and saying, you know, Whatever way you direct your child, guess what? That's exactly what you're going to get. And whatever way you raise them and whatever way you kind of set them on their path, that's exactly what you're going to get. If you decide that you're going to allow your child to have everything that they ever want and make them really focused on themselves, then guess what? That's exactly what you're going to get. And I think uh, everything from the very beginning... From when you walk out of that hospital and uh, you start teaching your children, that is directing their path. And if, if you've never had a child, you know that every little thing, they latch on to those things. Wait a minute, I cry and they feed me? This is wonderful. And they learn those things, right? It's directing their path. Good, bad, all the things that we do wrong, all the things that we... I used to be told a lot before I had children... You need to stop saying that because when you have children, they're going to repeat you. I didn't believe it. It's true. Should be in, it should be in the Bible. Oh, wait, it is. Okay. It immediately begins affecting your children and directing them in, on a path that they are on. And if you raise your children a certain way, they're going to end up that way. So what's the issue? What's the problem with our children? Why uh, can they uh, be so rotten one day and so good the next? I don't understand it. And so why can this set of parents who take their child to church and they love Jesus and they're teaching them who Jesus is end up with just a bad kid? And then this set of parents who care nothing about the, the spiritual development of their child and all of a sudden this child accepts Jesus and they follow faithfully forever. What, what gives? What is the difference between one and the other? Uh, so here's number one. Parents, this is just for you. Your children are sinners. Your children are the problem. I think I felt like a little weight come off of some of the parents in the room. Maybe y'all did a little fist pump. That's right, it's their fault. When your child was born, they were automatically the problem. 
I want you to think about when you were first married. You were alone together. You had no distractions. If you wanted to go to a movie, you could. If you wanted to go to the late movie, you could. If you wanted to go eat out, you could. If you wanted to cook a meal and still eat it while it was hot, you could. It was wonderful. And then children came along and they messed it all up. It was all great. And then they take away your money. Take away your time. Take away your sleep. That's, you know, whenever I find out some new parents are having a child, that's my first advice. You better sleep. You better sleep all you can. It's about to be over. The worst thing about your child above everything else is that they are a sinner. They're a sinner. And God knows that if we lead our children on a path that feeds their own self, they're going to choose that. Because it's in their very nature. I want you to think about our culture for a minute. Our culture tries to tell us that if we adjust, if we, what we just need to adjust to who our child wants to be. We're going to read some Proverbs in a minute that tells us our children will choose sin every time. They will choose self every time. Because that's in who they are in their DNA. They are sinners. Proverbs 14. Flip over to Proverbs 14. In verse 12, Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. Our hearts will lead us astray. Left to ourselves as humans, we will choose that. We will choose only to do evil continually all the time. It's in our DNA. Maybe you think to yourself, if I just direct my child in a way that Gets them the scholarship or gets them into this school or gets them this. We're fooling ourselves. It leads us astray. Proverbs 22. Flip over to Proverbs 22 again. Let's read verse 15. Proverbs 22:15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Foolishness is bound to the heart of a young person. I'm going to prove it to you. I remember when Isaiah was two and Abigail was almost one. Here's the picture. Uh, I was taking videos because they were playing together and it was so precious, right? We take videos of everything back then. And so you're taking, I'm taking this video and this is the picture that's on the right. And Abigail starts playing with this toy. It is Isaiah's toy because it was Isaiah's before it was Abigail was born, right? And so he's playing with something else. He turns around. He sees Abigail with this toy. And his first words are, give it back. Isaiah can barely speak. But he says, give it back. I had to stop the video. I kind of was watching the video over and over this week. And I had to just keep, I stopped the video immediately because I was like, no, you're supposed to share with your sister. You're supposed to protect, give it back. That was his response to this moment. It's in their DNA. It's who they are. Uh, It's bound to their heart, as this scripture tells us. And trust me, it does not stop at terrible twos. It keeps getting worse if you feed it. 
Proverbs 29, a few pages over. Proverbs 29. Verse 15. It says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. We'll get back to discipline here in a second, in just a second. But all these scriptures... I want to show you through all these scriptures that your children are sinners. This may be easy for you to hear. You're like, why are you telling me this? I already know this, right? This may be hard for you to hear. I don't know. But we can't let our children be who they want to be. If we let our children choose, they will choose destruction every single time. Flip over to Romans chapter 3. Romans 3. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 10. This goes for our children, and this also goes for us. As it is written, starting in verse 10. None is righteous, no, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So all these scriptures to tell us that your children, our children, they're sinners. Uh, So how do we fix it? How do we do something about it? Which leads us to our second point. Your children need to hear that they are a sinner. If we continue to allow our children to be completely focused on themselves, that's exactly who they will become. Our children need to know that they're a sinner. They need to understand who God is, that God is holy, holy, holy. They need to understand what their sin does with a holy God, that it separates them from a holy God. You know, we just talked about that this morning in Sunday school, that Chris and every team member who ever goes to Kenya, as we learn to share the gospel, you are expected not only to stand in front of the Kenya team and share the gospel, but you're expected to, at the drop of a hat when we're in Kenya, you know what, I need you to share your testimony. I need you to share the gospel with these people. I need you to share the gospel. I need you to tell them that God is holy. I need you to tell them that man is sinful. I need you to tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Him. And then you need to tell them to repent and believe. These are fundamental truths that we teach anyone who goes on a mission trip with Emmanuel that you have to be able to share. I got news for you, parents. These are fundamental truths that you should be teaching to your children right now in your home as you make disciples in your own house. The Houston Police Department came up with a list. You can actually go to their website, Houston PD. And you can find a list of 12, 12 ways to raise a delinquent child. These are fantastic. I'm only going to share five with you because 12 would have been too long. Number one, begin with infancy to give the child everything he wants. This way he will grow up to believe the world owes him a living. Remember, ways to raise a delinquent child. Okay. Number three, never give him any spiritual training. Wait until he is 21 years old and let him decide for himself. Number six, 
Let him read any printed matter that he can get his hands on and see all the movies, television, and videos that he wants. Be careful, of course, that the silverware and the drinking glasses are sterilized, but let his mind feast on all the garbage he wants to put in it. Pretty good. Number 10. Always take his side against neighbors, teachers, and policemen because they are all prejudiced against your child. Everyone knows that. Again. Go look this list up. It's pretty good. Number 11. When he gets in real trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. You know, our children are sinners. They need to understand that they are sinners. They need to hear the truth about who God is. They need to hear the truth about what Jesus did for them. Another great point, and this is in your notes. Parents, our children don't need us to be their best friend. Our children don't need us to be their best friend. One of the greatest things that you can ever ever tell your child or children is no. It's no. I think in a lot of ways we should say no a whole lot more than we say yes. Tim Hawkins, if you don't know him, he's a Christian comedian. He has a a great video where he shares and talks about how fun it is to say no to your children. I'm going to share a few of these with you this morning. He says, it's really fun to say any, many, miny, no. It's pretty good, right? How about this old man? He said no. It works. I don't know if y'all have used it, but it works. Maybe for you guys who love music, how about do, re, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti? No. It's fantastic. I'm not going to sing the rest because it would be bad. So here's what I'm not trying to tell you this morning. I'm not saying that you can't be your child's friend. I'm not saying that you can't say yes to your child from time to time. But if we want to direct our children in a manner that points them to Jesus, we have to set the best course of action for that to take place. And a lot of times you have to say no. And you can explain it to your children if you want to, or you don't have to explain it to your children if you want to. Now, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a second. Just a little side sermon here for you. Let's talk about cell phones for a minute. If your child has a phone, parents, you have to to put a lockdown on the phone and you have to see what your children are looking at and what they are doing on social media. We are currently reading a book uh, as a staff called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. One of the things that struck me the hardest, especially reading this and then preparing for this this morning, was that Bill Gates, along with a, a poll of people who were app creators, said this. They shielded their children from social media, from social media and even their phones. I want you to think about that. The very creator of the mobile device and the very creators of the apps themselves said, we are not letting our children have them. Why? Why would they do that? It says, because they said that they see the addiction that it causes in their child's life and they don't want to give them that kind of responsibility while they're still being molded as a person, while they're still developing as a person. So, as I say that, parents, be mindful of what you give your children. Uh, it's okay to take the screen away. 
and let them go play outside. It didn't hurt any of us who used to have to do that all the time. And I promise you it's good for them as well. So, all right, side sermon over. Just telling our kiddos what they shouldn't think, who they should and shouldn't be, isn't good enough. Making disciples is a difficult process. Making disciples within your home, it's a rough business. Raising your child to be a morally good person, uh, to have street smarts, guess what? It's not enough. It's not enough just to raise them to be a morally good person. We need to be teaching our children the truth about who God is. We need to teach our children the truth about who they are. We need to teach our children the truth about what Jesus did for them. And we need to teach our children how to follow after Him. Those are the four things we have to be teaching our children. And so when we teach our children the way they should go, it should never start with them being a good person. Never. I know we want to think our children are the greatest people on earth and that they can never do any wrong. It should never start with them being a good person. It should always start with the person, the work, and the deity of who Jesus is. This next verse, back to Proverbs chapter 23. This is parenting gold, okay? You can write this down. You can uh, have Kirsten Morgan paint you a sign and hang it on the wall of your home. This is great. Proverbs 23 Verses 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. This is great. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. That leads us into our next point. Discipline is evangelism. I'm not telling you how to discipline your child. I'm not telling you in what ways you should discipline your child. But discipline should be an open door to the gospel. It should be an open door uh, that shows them as they are in this situation where they're in trouble, maybe they're heartbroken, to be able to sit down with them and share, this is how you messed up. This is why this was selfish. Guess what? Mom and dad, we do selfish things too. It's a perfect way to teach them about what they've done and how it was sin. And what that caused God to have to send his son to die for their sin. You know, and I know when you're in that moment and you want to sit down. Let me tell you what you did and why it was sin. And let's have this. Children don't want to hear that in that moment, right? But it's the perfect way to go right into the gospel. And if we do that, if we commit to teach our children the gospel and the truth about who Jesus is. When they, are, when they grow old, they will not depart from it. And as this proverb says, it won't kill them, right? It might actually save their soul from Sheol or from hell. Now, I know that some of you are probably sitting here this morning and um, you would say, Corey, my kids have totally rebelled. They have taken a 180 from where they were maybe as a youngster. They're not following the Lord. They are not going to church um, they have learned, they've kind of leaned into who they are as a person. Maybe they've gone so far as to boldly say that I don't believe in Jesus or even to say I'm not a Christian. And you think to yourself, how could I have fixed that? What could I have done differently? What could I have done better? Uh, I will say that it's a very small percentage 
Um, sometimes our children turn out the way they are because of what we did. But I think that's a very small percentage. Uh, I think, yes, we need to take responsibility for how we raise our children. Yes, we need to take responsibility for how we did not obey the commandments to disciple our children. Uh, but I think it's more rare than not. I think, here, here's your next point. You can't handle the weight of your child's eternal security. You can't handle the weight of your child's eternal security. You cannot handle the weight of it's your fault that your ch- if your children don't know Jesus or not. You can't handle that weight. Yes, we can be faithful to obey God's command to teach them the truth about who God is and who Jesus is and about who they are. But you can't handle the weight that it's your fault if your child decides not to follow after Jesus. If you look at, uh, on Wednesday nights, we're talking about kings. Kings in the Old Testament. And if you look at these kings, you will find out very, very quickly whether or not it's a bad king or a good king has zero to do with who their dad was. Has zero to do with it. Because especially the kings of Judah, obviously all the Israelites kings were terrible, but the kings of Judah, you have a terribly wicked king followed by a really uh, holy, I say a a godly king that wants to do God's will, who, who leads the nation into reform. It has nothing to do with who their dad was. It has nothing to do, you'll find out real quick, that it has nothing to do with who their parents were. Because who's the father of us all? God. And not just the father of us, but the nation of Israel, the father of Israel. And even God, the best parent of all, had his children, Adam and Eve, turn their backs on him, depart from his way, and do things their own way. It happened to God. It could happen to you. Think of all the times that Israel failed God. Think of all the times that they turned their back on God. Think of all the times that they griped and complained, even when he was taking care of them. Does this mean that God was a failure as a father? Absolutely not. I want you to hear the heart of God. Uh, Turn to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea is right towards the end of the Old Testament, sort of towards the end of the Old Testament. Hosea chapter 11. One of the things that Hosea is doing in this time is he's telling the people about the exile that they're about to go into, the, the wickedness of the nation, all of these things trying to... And in this chapter 11, he wants to show the people the heart of God. Even though we've turned our backs, even though we've done all these things wickedly, I want you to hear the heart of the Father. Uh, starting in verse 1. It says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the bells and burnt offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim, or Israel, to walk. I took them up by the arms. But they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of kindness and with bands of love. And I became to them the, as one who eases the yoke of their jaws. And I bent down to them and I fed them. And it just goes on. And he goes on to talk about the exile and some bad things. And he says, you know, God's not going to put up with that. But you see the heart of God. Even in the midst of all of these wicked things that they've done, 
you've continued to have compassion, you've continued to show mercy, you've continued to take them up and call them and uh, lead them and have, with cords of kindness. You bent down and you fed them. Even when they were at their worst, even when they were at their most rebellious, God was a God of mercy. Now, let's talk about the goal of this proverb. Uh, I think the goal of this proverb is to make clear that there is a right way that we should direct our children. There's a wrong way that we should direct our children. Uh, the way of wisdom. Uh, the other one is a way of foolishness. The right, let me just say this. The right path, it requires a lot of work. It requires a lot of work. It takes a lot of training. It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of discipline. And it takes a lot of those things. Because just like us, our children are prone to wander. Our children are prone to leave the God they love. We're going to sing about that in a second. It's our natural sinful tendency to turn our backs on God and to walk away from those things. We have to continue to direct our children on a path that leads them to the cross. And with, those things, with that said, I want to give you a few tips, uh, a few things for us as parents on how we should respond. And as I give you this very quickly, uh, let me just say these are not a, a fail-proof plan. These are... Uh, if you do all of these things, it's not 100% that your child will choose to follow after Jesus. Uh, I want you to remember that it is God who does the calling. It is God that takes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. It is God that uh, does the saving. It's God who calls. It's God who saves. It's God. And if, but I do believe that these are commands for us to teach to our children, and to our grandchildren. If you don't have children, to a children's Sunday school class or to your nieces or your nephews. This is what we are to teach to them. So how should we respond as parents? Uh, let's look at number one. Pray for wisdom on how to deal with your kids. We have to start with prayer and we have to pray that God will give us wisdom. We have to pray that God will give us wisdom. Secondly, we pray ultimately for their salvation. Uh, let me just say this. We should never be just pretty sure that our children know Jesus. You should know without a, fact, without a doubt that your children know Jesus and that they're following after him. I'm, just, I'm pretty sure they know Jesus. No, that's not okay. We need to be 100% sure that our children know Jesus and follow after him. Uh, thirdly, we should saturate our children, your children in the Bible, in the Word of God. Uh, again, I say this, I always say this to parents, uh, you got to know it to teach it. Uh, there's a great Sunday school, uh, this person wanted to be, wanted to teach Sunday school, wanted to be used by God, and the, 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 the director of the children's ministry told this man, well, uh, he goes, well, I don't know if I know enough Bible to be able to teach children Sunday school. And it's like, it's okay, all you got to do is stay one week ahead. Stay one week ahead, you can teach it. Next week, you can study that lesson and you can teach it. Guess what, parents? It's the same way. I'm not really good. I don't know the Bible that well. Guess what? One day ahead. It's all you got to stay ahead of your kids. And we can continue to make disciples in our own home. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You got to teach your kids the Bible. We got to know the Bible. 
Uh, number four, be radically authentic with your faith. Parents and grandparents, you need to be the example that your kids need to see. Not their teachers at school, not their Sunday school teacher, not me, not Landon, not any of our other pastors. It needs to be you. And you need to be authentic in your faith. It's a command from the Lord. We be the example to our children. Next point, practice grace with your children. I put this one in for me. I did. This one was me. I hope it's some of you, but this one was me. We've been shown grace. We have to extend grace. And I hope that we make that a part of our own lives. Next, become a member of a church. It can be Emmanuel. It can be another church. But you have to be a part of, and a member of a church that is going to teach your children the Bible, that is going to teach you the Bible, so that you can do those things well as well. Next, remember that God saves your children. God saves children. God is sovereign over your child's life. If your child has or hasn't decided to follow after Jesus, or even soon after they do, you need to remember who the credit goes to. You may have directed their steps, but it's God that changes their heart. It's God that draws them to Jesus, and it's Jesus that saves them. We have to remember that. Credit goes where credit is due. He is not asking you to save your children. God is the only one that can do that. John 6, says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus shares that very specifically. It's God who does the saving, not us as parents. Last, God wants your obedience in your parenting. Obedience in your parenting. And of course, we go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. If everyone will flip over, that will be the last verse we look at this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Starting in verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. In these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk with them when you sit in your house and walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and, you sh- and they shall be on the frontlets of your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. We have to do these things with our kids. We have to teach them to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might. It's a command for us. This is a command for us as parents and grandparents. So train up a child in the way they should go. It happens when you bring them to church, but it should happen most of the time within the walls of your home. It should happen when we're in our home. If the only times your children hear the gospel is when they come to church, I would go so far as to say that you're failing as a parent, according to God's command to us. And if, as we're failing as parents, we need to understand that God demands obedience from us. He demands obedience from us. I skipped one. 
Demand obedience from your children. My bad. See, y'all were all going to come up to me afterwards, weren't you? What's this blank? And in the same way that we demand obedience from our children, guess what? God demands it from us. He demands our obedience in how we parent our children. And if you are a parent, let me just say this. Don't lose hope. Keep modeling the faith. Even if your children are grown and out of the house. Even if your children are grown and out of the house. And don't have much daily interaction with you. Keep walking faithfully. Keep living a life of obedience. And even, I think at some point, uh, if you feel like you have failed in the past, admit it and make the vow to change. Children still see the hearts of their parents. Children still see your heart. It doesn't matter how old they are or how old you are. They still see your heart. And if you're being authentic in your faith and you're walking faithfully faithfully with the Lord, they're going to see those things. So that's a challenge to you as parents this morning. Let's pray.